Welcome to the Australia podcast, where we give you some insight and some knowledge into our training methods, how you can improve your lifestyle, optimizing your nutrition, and basically find out what is going on down at our box. Hello there, guys. Welcome to tuning in. We're going to be talking about sleep today. It's quite important to us for multiple, multiple reasons. Now, you've probably listened to the other podcasts where we've had a couple of people on our little audio, and it's mainly because we would just run our conversations through Zoom, so it was a little bit more like a discussion rather than a lecture, because for me, I kind of do like podcasting, and I love listening to podcasts, but the thing that kind of aggravates me a little bit is that podcasts tend to feel like you're back at university again, listening to a lecturer at the front, and sometimes you start to tend to zone out. But for today, um, what I'm actually thinking about doing is explaining to you guys about the importance of sleep and how if you just start to focus on this one element, which everyone should be able to control, we'll tend to see a massive jump in not only our nutritional benefits of um, basically recovering a little bit better when if you've, well, I mean, to be honest with you, if you've had someone who's had like a rubbish amount of sleep, you hear about it for the rest of the day because they just tell you how tired they are and how sore they are and how everything going on in their day has not been fantastic. But you never hear someone complaining that they've had a good quality of sleep. And you normally tend to see that they're actually bossing any workouts or that they're actually just living their life to the fullest. So how do we uh, like unlock that potential of being able to get just the right amount of sleep which is suitable for you? So. For any type of regular Joe blog, getting enough sleep is an essential aspect of a human's performance. It's a critical component for us with our overall health, and it just allows the body to repair and restore itself in preparation for the day ahead. While eight hours of sleep per night is normally a commonly acceptable goal, to be quite honest with you, is every human's different, and we all have different sleep needs. And there are lots of different things that we can think about. Mostly external environmental um, elements cause us not being able to get the adequate amount of sleep, such as like having a baby and being able to try and change your sleep to the, the baby's sleep cycle, or like you've got a new puppy and they're wanting out every four hours, or maybe you're just going off from the night shift and shifting into the day shift if you're working these kind of split shift rotors. Like I know with a lot of professionals which are in the health and emergency services. So we need to also think about other factors like stress, activity levels that you've maybe um, going through like with a certain training or that you're preparing for something which means that your um, training volume increases and you haven't been able to delegate times throughout the day which will allow you to actually have the ability to wind down and get yourself ready to fall into a comfortable sleep. These will have an effect on your sleep and you need to assess this on a nightly basis. What you need to take into an account is assessing how much sleep that you exactly need each night in order for you to know how hard that you can go into your training or how well that you can perform the very next day. So when you're tracking your sleep, there are ways that you can do this by, say for example, just being able to like check and see what time you go to bed at and then what time that you wake up in the morning at. That's normally a good way for assessing it. If you don't use any type of um, 
say for example, like if you've got like an Apple Watch or if you've got one of these um, health performance um, tools like a Fitbit or if you've got like your Garmin or you've got like a Whoop strap. So some of the guys that I know use Whoop within the um, CrossFit scene or what we're tending to notice a little bit more now like tennis stars and baseball players and some NFL players, they've contributed quite a lot of money into these teams to allow them to assess the recovery rate of their athletes and the strain that their athletes go through on a day-to-day basis. So what happens if we're just dealing with someone who is just, say for example, like Doris, who is just like a nine to five worker in an office and trains three times a week. So what type of things do we need to check in with Doris? Now, what I would try to detail down is the amount of time that they spend in each stage of their sleep because there's actually four levels of sleep that you tend to get there's light deep or slow wave sleep and REM sleep obviously there's sometimes during the evening that you wake up as well so that's also a marker which we would need to check and see how many times that the person woke up through the evening on average if a person spends just under eight hours in bed per night what we need to check and see is the quality of the sleep within the eight hours there can be the regular disturbances through the night so that could be like conscious or subconsciousness and then we would normally look and see when these um, breaks of your sleep occur through the evening so the average healthy adult will experience roughly about three to five sleep cycles per night within those cycles there are four distinct sleep stages such as light sleep deep or slow wave sleep which is the SWS principle You may know about rapid eye movement, which is REM sleep, and then you've also got the waking stages. So what is light sleep? It normally represents the physiological process taken to transition into a deep sleep. It's the same as the respiratory characteristics that define the the deep sleep, and obviously it's a little bit less frequent, but as your body is more responsive to your environment in a light sleep, you need to try and think about setting yourself up for a good quality night's sleep by ensuring that you've got your bed set up properly, you know that you've got all um, unnecessarily unnecessary lights switched off, like your brain isn't um, muddled up with trying to think about tasks that you might need to do the next day. So there are some things that you could do to maybe mitigate that occurring. So it means that this light sleep is reduced as much as possible because this is where your body has the ability to wake up quickly in the event of a threat. So you may think of a threat, obviously like going back into the stone age, a threat would be like, we need to wake up as quick as we can because we heard the twig snap outside and your immediate thought is there might possibly be an intruder coming in. But in this day and age, that's very, very much not the case the last time I checked, but still that's something physiologically that we can't just switch off it's something that's going to be ingrained with us for a long time so this is why we want to try and reduce as much light sleep as possible because nothing normally tends to happen in that period it is just a gateway from you going from a waking state into a deep sleep state but before you get there there is the slow wave sleep that is what we normally would call a deep sleep but this is the time where your muscles repair and grow. It's during this stage that the body produces 95% of its daily supply of growth hormones. So as an athlete, the training sessions break down the muscle tissue 
And then during this slow wave sleep state, this is where your body works to regrow and build itself. Now with REM sleep, this is where the brain is restored. So it's incredibly important for people to work on their deep sleep and their REM sleep. And I feel REM sleep is a lot more important for people who are looking to try and improve their studies or they've got quite a lot of um, work which is requiring brain power. It's at this time that it's ideas and skills acquired during the day are cemented as memories. So as it relates to an athlete, anytime that you're practicing maybe a technical skill such as snatches, cleaning jerks, learning the ability to improve your running stride, maybe trying to take on a new language, making sure that you're learning processes at your work, this is the period of time that your body is needing to condition itself and be able to retain that information. But the things that we need to avoid is the wake state. Now this is included as a sleep state because it's a natural, um, it's basically it's a natural occurrence that happens just brief periods of time during the evening. So let's reword it more like an arousal or a disturbance which normally would show up as a blip on your smartwatch or like a fitness strap. So if you normally tend to see like your heart rate stays quite steady through the evening and then there was this sudden burst of like adrenaline where your heart rate increases and then it rapidly drops down again, that's what we would consider at that point to be a wake state. There are some people where it normally tends to happen roughly about 10 to 20 times a night and that's completely dependable on whether or not they've had a stimulus which has caused their heart rate to be in a broken up state such as like caffeine or alcohol, that can also be a factor too, or like nicotine or any type of um, drug which you might use during um, your day-to-day -day life. That can be from anything that's been pro uh, like provided from a doctor or quite frankly, if you're like smoking something that you shouldn't be. <laughs> but this, the state of the wake state is that we wanna try and reduce that as much as possible and we wanna try get ourselves out of the light sleep as fast as possible into the quality stages which are the slow wave sleep and your REM sleep. So why, tips of being able to get into that, they seem pretty straightforward. So why is it that some of us struggle to shift from being stuck in these really bad behavioral states and not being able to be able uh, to be putting in some simple formulas for boosting the amount of time that you're in these stages. Such as, as, say for example, if I turned around and said to someone, look, if you're needing to get yourself into a quality night of sleep, let's look at sorting out your bedroom, just in general. Let's darken your room so it means that you're getting yourself into a better state of a sleep because the light influences the wake stage of a sleep so during the summer months, the sun's gonna come up a lot earlier. So your body's gonna wake up a lot earlier as obviously the sun is rising, it starts to stimulate the eyes, which means that your brain starts to signal it is the morning. Obviously, flip roll reverse that, if we're in the winter stages, it's gonna be very difficult for some people to wake up first thing in the morning as the sun rises a hell of a lot later. This is why sometimes some of these light-induced alarm clocks where they start to release like a very nice glow, like an orange color or a red color first thing in the morning. In time, maybe 10 minutes before your time which you try to wake up in the morning. So it means it's a much more subtle way to arouse your brain to wake up naturally in the morning. That's the reason being why these things are used. I know that um, Bex has one, 
and it does work and it also comes along with some noises as well which you would normally tend to see like birds chirping away and it's also got one that you use in the evening as well where it's like evening noises like crickets in the background or like you can hear like the trees rustling just something which would naturally allow your brain to focus okay this is me this is me my stage i'm looking to try and go into a sleep state so darkening the room could possibly be getting like some blackout blinds or being able just to ensure that we're not using any type of um, harsh lighting maybe an hour before you go to sleep other things that you may not consider but it's setting your room temperature roughly around about say for example 12, uh, 15 to 18 degrees so the way that that works is your body's in a cool state so you're not wanting to be too cold you're not wanting to be too hot because obviously then your body's going to be fighting continuously if you're cold you're going to be shivering through the night so it means that your body's not actually getting into a, a relaxed state obviously if you're too warm then it means that you're going to be um, sweating trying to cool down and it's very uncomfortable so actually being able to set yourself um, a temperature in your room which should be able to be done just basically make sure that you've got a thermostat in the house um, we've got one of the little smart meters in the house where we're able to set the temperature in the, the home to roughly about 20 degrees and then when we're going to bed we turn the heating off so obviously the temperature drops down to something which is a little bit more suitable for us um, if you're struggling to try and get the heating up, I would probably say just get another throw over your bed so it means it insulates you a little bit more. Something that's a little bit more heavy as well because when it's pushing down on you, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable as well. So you need to also think about that bedding. It's not a multi-use space. The more that you can train your body to associate your bed with sleep, the more adapt your body will feel in going to sleep in that space. So try your best to avoid work and leisure in the bedroom, okay? You can innuendo that as much as you want, but basically you wanna make sure that that space is your sleep space. You don't wanna be like sitting watching TV on your bed or you don't wanna be in there um, procrastinating about anything. Try your very best to just say, this is the area where I know that I'm going to get some rest. That's probably the best um, use of that area anyway. But screen and uh, screen time, just on any type of tablet, phone, television, that's the stuff that's keeping you awake. And I know it's incredibly difficult right now. We've not got anything better to do. It is winter at the time that this podcast is getting made. So we're going to be way more inclined to try and stick on for another episode or so on like our favorite Netflix series or Amazon Prime. But you've got to try your very best to have a little bit of due, due diligence to cut that out try i would go with like a one two three principle so one hour before bed turn off those screens two hours before bed try to make sure that you're not eating any food which is too heavy because then it's still digesting in your system and rule number three is just make sure that you're not actually working and i think that's more dangerous than you watching television because your brain's going to continuously keep firing as it's in a work stage. So if you're like, say for example, cut off time from work is 6 p.m., write yourself down a to-do list to show that that's the tasks which you need to get done for the very next day. Or if your deadline needs to be done that evening, you need to just make sure that you know that you're gonna be in for one hell of a ride tomorrow, or that you need to make sure that you set your alarm for a little bit later the very next day to counterbalance that. But 
it's basically because your your motor neurons in your eyes will continuously feel like they're working even after you've turned the screens off and you've put your head down on the bed. So you've got to make sure that you get yourself into a habit and make it an atomic habit. So link it with a positive habit which you're already doing in the evening. Set a timer, that's when you turn it off. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't do anything an hour before bed. No harm you being able to turn off the lights, put on some candles to naturally light up the room and read a book. There's no harm in you doing that. But alongside with the one, two, three principle, I normally set a cutoff time for my caffeine intake. So caffeine does have a lingering presence for many hours after consumption. So for a greater sleep efficiency, you need to consistently and consciously refrain from caffeine consumption at the very least four hours before you go to bed. For me, my cutoff time is 2 p.m. So I'll not have any more caffeine from like a Red Bull or any type of like stimulant before I go to bed. And that's even if you're going into a training session in the evening. So pre-workouts for an evening session would probably be a good no-go for me, if I'm going to be honest with you. And this is one that I think would be quite easy to cut out because we normally associate coffee with more of the morning. So we normally tend not to drink coffee later on unless it's a latte, but you just need to be very aware. Maybe cutting your coffee intake after 2 p.m. might save you a better quality of sleep. Now, we need to think about the weekend a little bit. Obviously, no more work. It's natural for us that we want to kind of get into the the feel-good vibes, go out with a couple of friends, and alcohol will normally tend to be something that we'll tend to kind of jump towards. So you need to plan ahead when you're consuming alcohol, okay? It's just the same as caffeine. It's going to impact the body's hour after consumption. So you've got to keep this in mind. If you're going to have a night out, you need to make sure that maybe you're drinking a little bit of water before you're going to bed. Your vitamin B levels will probably take a bit of a battering too, so maybe have a little bit of a dose before you're going to bed, and it means that it just kind of kills that little hangover sensation a bit. But if you're noticing that your heart rate increases through the evening when you're sleeping, or that your heart rate variability has been affected, that is normally being affected simply down to the alcohol. You've got to think, alcohol actually does have a caloric level to it. For every... Um, I think it's roughly around about seven calories per gram that you normally tend to get with alcohol. So it is still an energy source, but it doesn't have any benefit really to like performance or it doesn't have any benefit towards aiding you in sustaining and recovering some good muscle tissue. So I think all of us kind of knew that already. Like alcohol is fantastic when you're having it, also great the very next day. So That kind of gives you a little bit of an idea for some tips that I would normally give to someone if they feel like they're getting some really bad sleep. So how much sleep does a person genuinely need? So there's kind of three three or four things that you can think about when we're considering the sleep amount, but it is important that you analyze this unique physiological um, element to your human body. So sleep's only came on the scene not that long. Um, and mainly because it came into a little bit of, um, like, it, it became popular for me personally when I started to read about how the Team GB cycling team hired a gentleman um, who pretty much changed and revolutionized the way that people were able to kind of uh, recover. So his name's um, Dave Brelli- uh, Brailsford. I'm absolutely going to butcher his name because it's got an S rammed right in the middle of it. So it's Brailsford. 
and it was he, he was basically the performance director for Team GB. And alongside a system which he used, which basically was about um, having a 1% marginal gain, he was able to also work specifically on the team's recovery state and how they were able to get themselves into a mindset of being able to sleep, aid themselves in recovery after strenuous sessions, and then being able to assess their performance in being able to make 1% improvements each and every day. And... I can give you a little bit of references on that. I'll even try and look it up actually and I'll tell you um, what his work did over a period of time to show you what the cycling scene for Great Britain was like before he even came on and the effects of his influence had on that industry. But coming back to it, I don't want to tangent off too much because we're talking about how much sleep does a person need. So there's four things which you can kind of look at. Your baseline, your strain, your sleep debt, and also naps. So naps are quite important. They are utilized quite a lot within sports, but we'll kind of cover that once you understand the other three. So a baseline is what um, your baseline sleep need is the amount of sleep that you should get every night prior to other factors coming into play. It's determined by your physiology, uh, physiology and you're able to understand that once you're analyzing the times that you go to bed, times that you wake up and then having like a understanding of how energized you are after when you wake up so you're able to kind of take notes on this obviously that's something that can be a little bit anal unless you've actually got one of these um like smart watches or using a kind of fitness tracker like a fitness strap on your wrist because that would automatically generate that information for you but if you didn't have one, that's one way that you can do it. It's just a general rule of thumb. How do I feel this morning? And how lot of what time did I wake up and what time did I go to bed? Now, strain. Strain is basically quantified as like the cardiovascular exertion of the body. And this can come from like exercise, stress through the day, normal daily activities, so like your PAL. And then the more strain that your body takes on during the day, the more, the more sleep that you need at night. So you gotta kind of think this can go from like you tidying your home to then rushing out, getting the messages in, doing some like a 5K run, doing like a wad and of like jumping on a bike. You can see that there are multiple different variations of strain. You can even look at like yoga being strainful or doing judo or swimming. It's just what is strenuous to the body. And then it's just the layering process of all these different strains. The higher the strain, the better quality of sleep that your body needs. Not how much more sleep you need, but the better quality sleep that you need. Sleep debt is when you don't get all the sleep that your body needs at night, and your body starts to build up this sleep debt, just like anything. So say for example, if you're needing an average of eight hours of sleep a night, but for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you only get seven hours of sleep. That means that you are in that week, three hours of a debt that your body's saying, you need to try and get this back and if you're not able to get this sleep back during that week and you continue to, uh, down this process, you're going to end up becoming very inefficient and what will happen is that your body will not be able to perform as well as what it needs to. So that ties us in quite nicely to like naps. And that's basically what it means is that you're able to kind of earn back that time that you lost and it's went into your sleep debt. So normally when you see some athletes and they do like a morning session and an evening session 
And I normally tend to see quite a lot of CrossFit athletes do this, especially if they're at the higher level of like elite athletes who are like hitting like regionals, or sanctionals, or like quarterfinalists or semifinalists, as now they're all going to get known as. It's these marginal gains that they're making is that setting out time during the day where they're able to get a nap and come in full circle, they've set themselves out into a good routine of blocking out any natural sunlight during the day. They've got themselves their room where they know that they can fall into a sleep comfortably. They might be listening to some audio which allows their senses to calm down. And such as like, um, I know Medium and I know that you've got another app as well where it's Headspace. And these allow you to control your breath work and it allows you to find kind of fall into a nice relaxed state, which will help you get into a nap. Naps, the quality of the naps, they can range from, I've known some people to be able to get some good quality naps from like 20 to 30 minutes. Normally with me, if I go for a nap, it'll probably end up being nearly an hour. But obviously some people can adapt quite well with shorter ones. But it's just a great way for your body just to kind of reset and calm down. So then they're able to take on another strenuous session. So you've got to kind of look at lots of different elements out of the evening, which will set you up for a good quality night of sleep. And normally what you tend to see is people who tend to have better sleep tend to perform a lot better, not just in training, but in a lot of other areas of their life. They're less sore. They normally are not as groggy when they're working during the day. You can also tell by someone's mood as well if they've not had a great quality of sleep. You normally never see someone who's bubbly and optimistic if they've had only four hours of sleep, in which was not their any fault of their own, really. So that's where some things that you can kind of look at when it comes to sleep quality. It's basically sleep is used for your body to repair neurologically, physiologically, and also as well, just allows your body to get into the right state for the next day ahead. So if you're looking at this from a productivity point of view, this is maybe an area where no one necessarily wants to cover as much as what they should. Because sleep, when it comes to exercise, it's not the sexy point to anyone's training, but this is where the gentleman like Dave Brailsford came in. He knew for a fact of adding in that 1% marginal gain was allowing his athletes to be able to improve long-term. And this isn't just like 1% through the week. We're looking at 1% marginal gains each and every day. So it was his kind of life's work to be able to see, right, how am I able to get the British team who have never won a gold medal at the Olympic Games, never won any Tour de France races in the 110 years history of cycling? So this was quite a big, massive task that he had to take on. But he came into this philosophy, which has been covered over by the gentleman like Jim Rowan. He wrote a phenomenal book about like why we sleep. And then we've also seen as well that the disciplined athletes, when they were working on the small things, they were actually enjoying the process of a hell of a lot more than looking at just the long-term improvements they were looking at the daily small tasks that they could do which would get them to the long-term goal so the whole principle came from the idea if you broke down everything that you can think of that goes into riding a bike then improving that by one percent you would gain a significant increase when you put it all together 
So he was asking his riders to wear electrically heated overshorts to maintain the ideal muscle temperature while riding and using biofeedback sensors to monitor how each athlete responded to a particular workout. So they were dialing in different sessions like fart lick sessions, hip workouts, they'll be able to test short bursts, long duration, like hill climbs, working on flat sprints, they were doing everything. So the team tested these various fabrics in a wind uh, tunnel and had their outdoor riders switch into indoor racing suits. It provided them a little bit more of a lighter and aerodynamic sense of their riding too. But they didn't just stop there as well. They were looking at other areas of being able to improve it, such as like massage gels that we, they were using to get better recovery. They were hiring surgeons to teach each rider the best way to wash their hands to reduce the chance of them catching a cold. They were even determining the type of pillow and mattresses that they led to the best night's sleep for each rider. So they were even going into the hotels and saying to them, we want this bedding, we want this mattress out, we're putting our own stuff in there because we know for a fact that that's gonna get the best quality of sleep for their athlete. And because the riders bought into it, they were able to enjoy the process as well. They even painted the inside of their truck white, which helped them spot little bits of dust that would normally slip by unnoticed, which could degrade the performance of the finely tuned bikes. So that's how much of a level that they went down to. They were going down to a surgical level on this and these and a hundred of other small improvements that they accumulated over time, the results came faster than anyone could have ever have imagined. Within like five years, Brailsford took over the cycling team and dominated the road and track cycle events on the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. They won, in a, uh, they won up to 60% of the gold medals which were available within cycling itself. That same year, as well, when they when they were looking at everything, they even went one step further by putting a four-year protocol in. So when they went to the London Olympic Games, they raised the bar and they set nine Olympic records and seven world records. But not only that, in that same year, Bradley Wiggins became the fastest British cyclist to win the Tour de France. Then the next year, Chris Froome's won it. And then they went again in 2015, 2016, 2017. So over 110 years, no British athlete won it. But then within a five-year period, they gave the British team five Tour de France winners. Well, sorry, that was even in six years, to be honest with you. I was just looking at the data there. So... That was the only thing that they changed. They started to look at everything with a 1% margin. So why don't we do that with our sleep? And then not only that, we then start to look at the small things that we could naturally improve in our day-to-day -day life. Is there a 1% thing that you can change first thing in the morning, in which means that when you wake up, you have a process like, okay, when I get up, I'm gonna make the bed. Awesome, that's a 1% win there. When I'm gonna make a coffee, Am I able to use freshly ground beans instead of me using um, beans which have already been prepackaged and ready to go? Like instant coffee, there's a 1% improvement there. Can I look at maybe adding a little bit of minerals to my water to make sure that I'm getting the right minerals when I'm, in, when I'm inducing water? There's another 1% improvement. Can I get my fresh fruit instead of getting my fruit which has been packaged in Tesco or Asda? There's a 1% improvement. So you can start to look at lots of different things if you really wanna go down that route, which can help your body be optimized and be able to grow in many different fields. But where he started to focus on specifically was the 
type of mattresses that they were using for the athlete to get the best quality of sleep and using these health markers to be able to assess their REM sleep and their deep sleep, which was allowing them to reduce any times that they were waking up or going into any sleep debt. So every single time that we're jumping on the bike to be able to get a training session in, they know for a fact that we're getting the best bang out of their buck every single time. So hopefully this information can make you kind of assess the improvements that you can do with something that has been naturally ingrained into us since we've been born is getting some good sleep. Now more than ever, we have the ability to be able to control this because we don't need to worry about transportation to and from work. We are normally seeing that, that we're in our homes as much as more than ever before. So we're able to dictate and change our environment to help us improve our health markers and hopefully it can get you thinking a little bit outside of the box on how we can improve our life, not only down to nutrition, but being able to change our environment to be able to grow and recover. And I think that's where the game changer is for a lot of us. Maybe it's something that you can focus on over the next couple of weeks. And I'd be really interested to see what these benefits have done for you if you're able to implement these into your day. Now the next episode, what we've got, hopefully we'll be going over some more um, health markers which are more based towards females because I know it's a very difficult um, time for females when we talk about sports performance, but then obviously we have the menstrual cycle and we're able to kind of get a better understanding of things that we can do to help improve our training during this period. And I'm gonna have someone come on who will be able to talk way more in depth with their own personal experience and also with the experience with some athletes which they work with on a daily basis and things that they normally try to do as a strategy to help maximize their performance even during the times where they're not feeling like they want to do any training. So thanks very much for listening in. I know it's a little bit different not having anyone else on this and hopefully it didn't really feel too much of a lecture. I just wanted to give you guys an understanding from my field, being able to see not everything has to be about sets and reps on this. It's all about making sure that we can do as much as we can outside of the gym. So when we go into the gym, it's our hour that we dominate and we enjoy it and it's the best hour that we can have. So thanks very much for listening in. Hopefully you guys can give me a little bit of a review on how you're finding this information. And if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a message on the Instagram or even if you just want to drop me a message on Facebook. It's pretty easy to find us. It's just CrossFit Australia. And hopefully you'll enjoy the other podcasts which we've got planned in the future. Peace out, Cub Scouts.